Good evening. Good to see all of you out this evening, despite the rain. Our lesson for tonight continues our series on the one word. And our one word for tonight is Christian. And most of you heard a couple of weeks ago the lesson that I did on being a Christian. And if I had really thought it through, if I had really thought about it and planned ahead, I would have noticed that the word Christian was coming up and I probably would have saved that lesson for tonight, but I didn't. So um, tonight's lesson, though, is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to focus as much on what it means to be a Christian, but we're going to focus tonight more on the word Christian and how it came about and uh, where it came from, all that stuff. But that's really what we're going to focus in on tonight. So as we look at this word, Christian, uh, we understand that there are people that are labeled Christians. And some refer to themselves as Christians. Most refer to themselves as Christians. But as we look at the, the labels that we have in our world today, we understand that labels help us to differentiate some things from others. Such as files have labels that help to identify what is contained in those files. Tapes, CDs, DVDs, that kind of thing. Those have labels to help us identify what is contained on them. And often people are also given labels, whether they be good or bad. We think of some of the good labels that people are given. Those that are worn with honor and pride. Labels that de describe one's character, for instance. Kind, tender, loving, and the list goes on. Labels that describe one's service to others. We think of labels such as soldier or veteran. Those labels mean a great deal. Mother or father, or any family relation for that matter. Those are all good labels. They, they identify something good about someone, something that they do for others maybe. And you also have labels that describe positions or offices held in an organization or group, such as doctor, lawyer, minister, elder, pilot, captain, president, and the list could go on. And these labels are de determined to be good or bad based on the context in which they are used based in the way that they are describing someone. Do they fit these labels well or not? There are certain labels that are lacking in flattery, in character. You might see someone that you might refer to as grouchy or boring. Nobody wants to go by those kind of labels. Groups of people. Uh, there are certain labels that, that might bring a an amount of shame with them. Divorcee, cheater, womanizer, abuser. Those are negative labels. And people are given these labels to identify them based on their actions and character. They differentiate them from other groups or classes of people. But have you ever thought of the, the word Christian as a label? 
You know, disciples of Christ are labeled as Christians. Are you proud to be identified as a Christian? Or are you embarrassed? Do you try to explain why you are a follower of Christ? Or do you feel like you have to be defensive about it? Or try to apologize, maybe, for what you believe to be the truth? Does it even matter how we wear this name? As we look at the, the word Christian, and we look at how we are identified as Christians, our lesson objectives for tonight are to look closer at the origins of the name Christian in the Bible and to better understand how the name applies to our identity as followers of Christ and to discuss what wearing this name should mean to those identified as followers of Christ. Our first reference is in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. And we're going to spend most of our time in these three references just discussing what they mean. But in Acts chapter 11, in verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Something that we may not notice readily from this passage is that the name Christians was not necessarily given by the Christians themselves. It wasn't a way that they went about describing themselves. But those seeking a way to identify these people in Antioch. Because they followed Christ, they were called after His name, Christian meaning of Christ. And we have to ask, we understand that the people outside of the church mostly were looking at a way to describe these people, these followers of Christ. What was it about them that made them Christians? First of all, let's look at verses 20 and 21. I think this helps us to understand what they did and what was so different about them 
that they were given this reference. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So as we look at, at what they did, one of the things that we notice here, they went about preaching the Lord Jesus. That's important. They went about preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. I, I would say that the people outside of the church recognized that these people were blessed. A great number believed and turned to the Lord because of their evangelism. That was part of them being called followers of Christ. They were very open about what they believed and who they believed in. And so they were given this name. We also notice something in verses 23 and 24. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. Barnabas came to them and he was glad. And he encouraged them that with the purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. It's something that we purpose in heart to follow Christ. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and the faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So part of what we read about Barnabas, we see a good reference as to why they might be called Christians. We see that he went about encouraging them. Barnabas and Saul spent a year with this church. And because of their evangelism in the area, these disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Do people know what we believe? Are we open with people around us about being a Christian? Do we ever talk to them about Christ or the Bible? Do those outside of the church know what we stand for? Do those outside know who we belong to? Whenever we look at the Christians of this day and time, we see that they had a reputation with the world. They had a reputation with the people around them. We see that many believed and were added to the Lord because of what they did and how they lived and what they taught. You know, one of the qualifications of being an elder is to having a good reputation without. Not just within the church, but also with those without the church. If placed on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Christians in Antioch were called Christians because there was enough evidence to convict them of being Christians, followers of Christ. 
It's a good example for all of us. That's the first place that we read the word Christian in the New Testament. There are two others. The second place that we read the word Christian is in Acts 26. If you'll turn there with me, I want to read through this chapter because all of it really has something to do with, with us being Christians. Or at least learning what it means. Almost persuaded. We read of someone here who is almost persuaded to become a Christian. Here we read that, that Paul is given the ability to speak before King Agrippa especially and some others. And in Acts 26 and verse 1, we begin like this. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our twelve tribes earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Verse 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we, had all, when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins 
and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim life to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Verse 24, Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. And when he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. I wonder what it was. What was it about Paul's speech or sermon, however you might refer to it, that almost persuaded Agrippa to become a Christian? Was it Paul's plea for him to accept that God could raise the dead? If Agrippa was aligned with the the belief of the Sadducees, He wouldn't have believed in resurrection in any form. And that may be why Paul mentions mentions it here. Was it Paul's recounting of the events surrounding his own conversion? Seeing the light from heaven? Or hearing the magnificent voice? Was it because of what Paul gave up, persecuting Christians, to preach to those he once persecuted? Was there something in his example? Was it seeing the change in Paul from persecutor to Christian? Was it something in Paul's message of repentance and obedience that we find in verse 20? Was it regarding Paul's theme that the the Old Testament prophecies with which Agrippa was familiar had been fulfilled in Christ? Was it how Paul tied the points of his message together in verses 22 
and 23. Was it something in Paul's personal appeal to the king? Verses 26 and 27. Maybe it had less to do with Paul's message and more to do with what the king already had knowledge of. Whatever it was that almost persuaded Agrippa to become a Christian, it was not enough, at least at that time, to overcome his political or personal fears of doing so. As far as we are aware from a scriptural standpoint, King Agrippa was never obedient to the gospel, unfortunately. There's one more place that the word Christian is found in Scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 4, let's look at verses 12 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He is blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as, as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Being a Christian is not always fun or easy, not always an enjoyable experience, as Peter mentions in these verses. There are many things that Christians will suffer. And sometimes we suffer even just for wearing that name. He mentions the fiery trial. In verse 12, the fiery trial of persecution. He mentions partaking of Christ's sufferings in verse 13. He also mentions reproach for the name of Christ in verse 14. Persecution comes in different forms. Maybe it's in the form of blasphemy against Christ. Or maybe it's, it's lying about something that we have said. We see that many times in the New Testament. Or even to the point of physical torture. Or even dead. And yet we are told that as Christians, those who suffer 
for the cause of Christ are blessed. I use that blessed because I believe this is the same blessed that is used in the Beatitudes. We'll look at Matthew chapter 5 and what it says in verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter's encouragement is that one not suffer as a sinful person, but that he suffer as a Christian. As read in verse 16. And if he does so, he has no reason for shame, but reason for glory, glorifying God in Christ. When we look at the, the suffering that, that Christians go through, if we are suffering for the cause of Christ, however that might be, we should remember our reward in heaven. Suffering as a Christian is all but guaranteed in this passage and in Scripture throughout. It is our duty as Christians to withstand such suffering, remaining faithful to God. Christians are encouraged to commit their souls to God's keeping, verse 19, no matter what threatens their spiritual existence and eternity. As long as we endure the persecutions that we may face, the sufferings that we may see, if we can endure till the end, our reward is greater than we can imagine. So what have we learned about this word Christian? We learned that it is a label of sorts. It's something that is given to Christians based on how they act and how they behave. Based on how the world sees them, they, they determine whether or not we are Christians really. If you're a, a true Christian, people can see that in your life. They can see Christ in how you live. Whenever you don't talk like the world, whenever you don't act like the world, whenever you don't participate in the things that the world participates in, people know that you're a Christian. You don't always have to tell them. They can see it. I pray that we're not like King Agrippa was and hearing about Christianity and, and hearing what he needed to do to be a Christian and and come to the point of being almost persuaded, but just not quite. Maybe we're almost persuaded too long. We pass from this life. We face judgment unprepared. And as we see, wearing the name of Christian is it's not all fun and games. 
It's very serious to do so. It's something that we should take seriously. We could, should count it an honor to wear the name of Christ. To be a follower of Christ. But know that there are sufferings that are ahead. We'll face persecution. And even so, we are blessed. We can be happy. We can rejoice in our persecutions knowing that we have a reward that is waiting us at the end of this life. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Are you one of His own? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you remained faithful? Or do you stand in need of responding to the Lord's invitation? Don't wait until it's too late. We give you the opportunity tonight. If you need to make your heart and life right with God, we give you that opportunity. If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand and as we stand.